0: okay we're good now we're all good now. god that was good oh it's it's been uh it's it 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 seems like every week essentially um whatever was the most ridiculous thing that could have possibly happened the week before has just been one-upped uh very, very quickly. I don't even really want to talk about the subject that much. That one lady we talked about, Kelly Loffler, who was like very much just like, oh, I didn't do insider trading, proceeded to do insider trading again. Uh, like she's back at this, it, just back at it. Like you, know, it's like it just all the stuff where you're like, nah, you wouldn't do that again, would you? Like let, and then they do it again. You know,
1: the game finds you at a certain point. You know.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. She
1: can she can't even control it. She is just like she's a machine. She's so talented. She's like Kanye West sending out Donald Trump tweets in twenty seventeen. Do they know that they're doing that something wrong?
2: yeah, or is it part is it is it that you're so indoctrinated within a certain framework of of uh, thinking that you don't even think that there's anything that could be unethical? Like the fact that there's, you know, I take an example of the revolving door between, uh, people who work as lobbyists and then mm-hmm. work in government and then go back to work as lobbyists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that this sort of wedding between uh, corporations and uh, being a public servant at a certain point, you don't even you can't wrap your head around why it's a problem.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's super super silly, super dumb. Uh, I I I'm trying to think what was like you know before we get into sort of like the juicier topics tonight. Like there 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 was definitely more things that that happened um oh i mean well i guess there's also just the fact that you know uh the 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 health not the health care bill the the cares bill the C A R E S the care yeah whatever that is it passed last week we talked about that but now like there's Uh, A lot of, like, sort of, like, oh, how do we actually get the money to people situation. That's coming out in weird, goofy ways, per usual, you know. Uh, It's weird, because everybody I talk to is like, oh, Danny, you should file for unemployment because you're a gig worker. And I'm like, I don't even know if I really want to do that. It seems like, at this point, it's kind of just going to be impossible and (laughs) hassle to do. Like, uh, uh, it's insane.
1: I like, what I like is that, uh, I've noticed is that the Department of Labor is incredibly; they just have gone out of their way to make things really complicated and challenging for people, and it's just very slow running. But like, as soon as somebody sends the Securities and Exchange Commission a request to change anything at all, they're like, "Yep, done, you got it, you got it, baby." Yeah. Like, there will always the government will always be more responsive um, to um, the big the big boys uh, to you know capital and things like that, and and not as much to not as much to all of us, you know, there's 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 always going to be more lubricant um, for those sorts <laughs> of things. Uh, oh yeah,
0: yes, yeah, certainly.
1: And, but l- should we start with, I want to start with something fun today because all of us are focused on the Rona. Uh, we are in the pandemic hot zone, the three of us. Um, we're in different micro zones of the hot zone, but we are all in North Brooklyn, which is Arguably the most disgusting part
0: of the epicenter. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I'm gonna I, I will go out on a limb and say that there's probably some gross ass dude in Coney Island who's still like spitting on the ground. Like, <laughs> I will I will hold a candle for North Brooklyn. <laughs> and say it could be worse, but
1: a fr- uh, a, a friend yeah. of mine sent me a video and it was uh. It, Uh, It didn't say where, but a guy was spitting on some oranges in a grocery store and a grocery (laughs) store worker and a grocery (laughs) store worker. (laughs) He was just spitting on oranges and a grocery store worker went up and just jacked him with like he just slapped him so hard. He fell on the ground.
2: That that worker, I hope he was wearing gloves, man. You don't want to you don't want (laughs) to get any of those uh, juices on your skin.
0: Well, wait, wait, what was he what was he doing was he was okay, was he incompetent like just like
2: no, blah, no, blah, blah, blah,
0: or or was no. he just going like ha tuh, tuh, he ha he
1: no, no, he had like embittered wrestling coach energy, like, oh he okay, had like okay. my wife just left me. I'm going to pass coronavirus onto the world <laughs>
0: that's very bad. <laughs> Some oh, I, love, I I love it. That's that's disgusting, but I love it. It is it is yeah. like
1: it is truly like a classic American thing. Whenever like one bad thing happens to you in your personal life, that all of a sudden you completely change your ideology and become like the most evil person imaginable.
2: Like <laughs> right. Well, I just imagine Michael Douglas from Falling Down being like, "Well, I got the Rona," and sort of walking into a uh, any crowded space and and uh, licking everyone. <laughs> or just breathing breathing heavy next to everyone
0: uh, the, uh, oh man this I'm is sure gonna, I, I i'm gonna look like an idiot uh is that the one where he goes into a mcdonald's and and says like a very au- iconic line or or he's just it's uh, it,
2: it yeah. that's a bingo he does he's he's got a buzz cut in that movie that movie came out yeah. in the early 90s and uh he's a uh, out of work defense contractor
1: hi can i help you Yes, I'd like a ham and cheese womlet or wham fries. I'm
0: sorry. We stopped serving breakfast, but we are on the lunch menu now.
1: I want breakfast.
0: Well, you can't have it. We're not serving it. So you said. Rick, have you ever heard the expression, the customer is always right?
2: Oh God, Who, Who recently was unemployed and then goes back he wakes up every day as though he still has work. And uh, this is also a moment in time where Fox News is starting to ascend. So he's like the first generation of middle-class uh, white professionals who are um, losing their jobs and listening to sort of like the Rush Limbaugh's of the yeah. world. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the film skates this line where you, um, it asks you as the viewer to be both sympathetic to him but then also uh, makes him crazy. So, <laughs> so he's not really um, a cipher for like disaffected white um, anxiety around uh, losing their jobs. He's turned into like a slasher.
1: What's his line at McDonald's?
2: <laughs> uh, he wa- I think he wants to get breakfast and he's one minute too late for breakfast. Yes.
0: Yes, that's 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 what it is. I and I, it's
2: a packed McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's a multicultural, uh, like celebration of everyone in the United States in this McDonald's. And he pulls out <laughs> uh, a semi-automatic weapon. Yeah, it, it's a Whammy Burger, oh. and he wants a double Whammy Burger with fries and a shake or something afterwards. But he goes on this tirade that feels like it could be a Dennis, uh, uh, like not Dennis Miller, but Dennis Leary type like tirade about like why can't why can't we get the thing we want when we want it like uh why does this food the food here doesn't look like the picture (laughs) see this
0: is what i'm talking about turn around look at that you see what i mean it's
1: it's plump it's juicy it's three inches thick now look at this sorry miserable squashed thing can anybody tell me what's wrong with this picture
2: you know uh we're all being duped by the man and so it's got this like populist rage to it but he's also got a weapon in his hand and you couldn't have that today because of like the advent of school shootings yeah, yeah you couldn't it's have too, a cool close to home a cool dude with a machine gun yeah. like <laughs> yeah oh man Ted, Ted Kaczynski
1: like, Ted Kaczynski like, yeah. would have been canceled Ted Kaczynski.
0: <laughs> yeah that's like uh I drink your milkshake before the before that happened you know
2: yeah yeah uh but that's a great i mean it's a great great uh movie to watch to uh sort of see where we were going then and compare to where we are today like it's he that's the beginning of the rise of that uh white anxiety that is so talked about every election interesting yeah the
1: white anxiety so yeah uh, listen, the more important white anxiety um is the white anxiety that you get from fraudulently promoting Christian concerts, um and then uh, getting charged oh, yeah. by the SEC for it. How is that for a transition? Oh
0: so, yeah, that's that's one of those juicy David transitions I've heard <laughs> so much about.
1: So uh look, so what happened was in um in April 2019, the SEC charged this guy named Jeffrey Wall of Freeport, Maine, um, and his business, the Lighthouse Events, LLC, with operating an egregious community-based financial fraud related to Christian music concerts and festivals. Basically, he raised more than three million dollars in unregistered offerings to about hundred and forty-five people. Um he promised them that their funds would be used solely to promote and host Christian music concerts and festivals and that their investments uh-uh. were secured uh-uh. and guaranteed. <laughs> In reality, Wall and Lighthouse use investor funds for a variety of other expenses, including payments of Lighthouse's existing debt and payment to earlier investors.
0: Okay, I, so you have to, and I, I, I guess I'm like half joking, half actually asking this question his his the name of his company is Lighthouse Investments and he wasn't actually paying off lighthouses.
2: <laughs> You'd think cuz he's in Maine.
0: I, I know yeah. that's why I asked cuz like he's he's like people uh, for anybody who doesn't live in the like the general northeast area, Maine is weird. It's where Stephen King sets all of his books. It is yep. not out of this out of the question for somebody to uh, make up a Christian music festival and then use it as a fraud to pay off their investment in a lighthouse. Like yeah. it, it, it wouldn't be that
1: weird. <laughs> also, Mainers, from what I've talked to them, if you are like a native-born Maine person, um, you are an ethnicity. This is a this is like a sub-ethnicity of white that exists in the United States of being a native-born Maine person, like. They if you live, if you are born somewhere else and then you move to Maine, and live there for 30 years, you will not be considered a Mainer.
2: This is like that's an outsider. So yeah, you're the- you're if you're in from Vermont, you're a city slicker.
1: Yeah, they got their urbane values from Concord, New Hampshire, you know.
0: uh yeah that's never never had did i think i would run into like a a group of people who are more persnickety about their identity than like new yorkers like look you can't go live here for like 15 years to be a new yorker but like you can be at yeah the the they they just despise all those all those uh wealthy elites from burlington you know Mm -hmm, they just can't mm -hmm. they just can't stand them you know with their with their lake and uh their four colleges
1: Yeah, man. Uh, The I have a theory about the last real New Yorker, and um, that was that was Mayor Dinkins. He was the last. There are so uh, there are no real New Yorkers. There's no such. There's no time limit that makes you a New Yorker. There are no New Yorkers. They the last one is Mayor Dinkins, and he's the only real New Yorker. Everyone else. Is a fake and is a phony, and no one will have lived here long enough to be a real New Yorker.
0: I kind of like the idea that there is a cutoff. That is, I think that just simplifies it, though. It's just uh, not- yeah. That being that being said, uh, that is very funny that a, a some idiot from Maine was like, "I promise you a Christian concert <laughs> or a Christian music festival." Even, but don't you have to get like literally every Christian band? I mean, I, you have to get all genres, you know, like that's like a Coachella of its time, because like how many Christian performing acts are there?
2: Well, it, the it, only musician that I listen to that sings songs about Christian, Christianity is Johnny Cash. Uh, that's the only guy that can make it work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've never listened sort of... to Christian rock.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I know. I know this really good Christian rock band called White Anxiety. That he's going about, he's just, like, basically living out righteous gemstones in Maine. And... We need to we need to treasure these people. These people are in are, are in America. They are producing art for us, basically. I mean, they're basically the inspiration for HBO programming.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, and I I mean, it, as far as like a grift goes, it's just like why why go the grift route when you could actually make like a legitimate thing and sort of go like the Elizabeth Holmes Theranos route and see how long you could make it work? Because if you're like promoting yourself as like a Christian, you know, a Christian music festival, just like. Man, you get your feelers out there. Maybe you actually get Kanye to be a part of it. Who knows? Maybe, maybe you get fucking Reliant K in there, just even though he's kind of not. <laughs> like, oh, why? Why the fuck? Yeah. Why the fuck not? Why the fuck not? Make an act. It's like, why do? Why do people? You could still take pocket a bunch of money and just like screw over a bunch of you know con- concession stands who are you, you know frying hot dogs or whatever. You know, just uh, just, just throw an actual music festival. It'd be it. It'd be
2: fun as hell. Dude, Reliant K is amazing. So you both listened to Reliant K while you were at summer camp? No,
0: I listened to Switchfoot uh, specifically, Uh, and they were also another one of those sort of like, eh, like teetering on, like they don't really talk about God a lot, but they got like heavy God vibes uh, in their music.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I wasn't allowed to as a man of the book. Um, but I certainly grew up in the Bible.
2: Uh, so, David, can I tell you, as a man of the book, that uh, my entire media diet this this pandemic has been uh, Uncut Gems, Curb Your Enthusiasm, A Serious Man, and, and Munich. I'm oh having God, the dude. most. I am having the most Jewish pandemic. Hey, uh, you know I'm
0: I'm am I'm a man of the book too. You know what I'm talking about.
2: I'm a man. I'm a man of
0: the book. You guys Moses, know it.
1: <laughs> Moses.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For people who are not David or uh, Gabe, that was me holding up a copy of the Power Broker, the most
2: unreadable book ever, ever written. <laughs> it it's over 24 hours of Audible. Uh, oh my god. I, who, whoever had to read that book? I mean that that really is a testament what's our what's next on the docket today you
1: know just some just some schemes you know the epa the environmental protection agency threatens legal action against sellers of fake coronavirus cleaners beautiful beautiful products things like uh chlorine dioxide uh unregistered disinfectant sprays air purifiers and wipes these or there's been a huge spike in such products, according to uh, the EPA. Some of them have some really cool names that I think that we should talk about. One of them is a Japanese-made pro- product called Virus Shutout. Then there's another one called uh, the Flu Virus Buster from China. Uh, and that one says it kills mm-hmm. 99% of germs. Uh, there are... and th- Those are the big ones that, that I really see on this article. They are reaching out to Amazon to remove the market, the product from its marketplace. This is all we all expected this. We expected this, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, I w- I would say so. Well, I think I I think I watched uh just the idea that supplements are completely unregulated and that uh that we Americans love snake oil in all shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course this is expected. Like I wa- I I want to see both those products next to the Bodega Boner pills at my local, you know, corner store.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Next they to the Chung Li and Ryu uh, stay hard all night uh, ecstasy pills. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they've got your uh, they've got your take two of these uh, tiger bomb specially formulated to protect you from coronavirus bad vibes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the this is the next step in a logical progression. First you have the people who are like, I have the coronavirus cure. And then they're that's taken off the market or whatever. And now you have the Hey this is does not cure coronavirus but it does kill it if it's not in your body and uh, <laughs> it's just so strange too because i i, I people just I, like let me tell you if you dilute bleach down you know one part bleach 10 part water you know that's like a pretty effective disinfectant for yeah, most baby. things
1: uh, snake oil salesmen are the backbone of our economy they are the small business owners they are The soccer, (laughs) they're the soccer daddies. They are the uh, people who do are not regulated by the FDA, but the EPA has to step in to prevent them from being sold on Amazon, so that way massive amounts of people don't get
0: killed by them. This is this is what makes America great. No, 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 no. This is what you want to keep. You want to get these guys who are marketing themselves out of here. So then regular lay people start being like, oh, well, I really want to clean my house. So I'm just going to mix chlorine and ammonia. And then surprise, surprise, they just made
2: chlorine gas. (laughs) And then they just uh, a terrible thing happens, you know, terrible. Dude, America loves the inventor. We can't get enough yes. of The Inventor. And yes. like every once in a while, The Inventor does make something great. Usually when they've got an army of other people working with them, like a Steve Jobs. You know, he didn't invent anything himself, but he takes the credit. Or uh, Thomas Edison. Yeah. But but in reality, these quacks, the Americans who love The Inventor, are just the dad from Gremlins. The dad from Gremlins <laughs> is constantly trying to make the smokeless yes. ashtray or like some other bullshit product that's not gonna work, yeah, yeah <laughs> <laughs> that would probably harm you and your children if you b- b- bought it and brought it home.
0: yeah, yeah, probably. also the the people who like actually invent things and make meaningful change, whether that's positive or negative, I feel like they just sort of like flowed into like right past everything like I couldn't tell you who invented vaping. But it's the biggest thing that has ever existed, you know, since 2014. That somebody invented it. And who was it, the
2: Edison of vaping?
0: Yeah, yeah. And who who did it? I don't know. But you know I think
2: it was Sir Thomas the IV. <laughs> I really like that.
0: I, that. That makes a lot of sense to me. I like that. I like that a lot.
2: <laughs> and uh yeah, the first flavor was uh named after his daughter, Grape. Or yeah, or mango, yeah, <laughs> mm, mango. His his most his most precious daughter. <laughs> I'd,
1: I'd imagine that Jewel is a Dutch name, considering how it's spelled.
0: Yeah, von Jewel.
1: Von Jewel. Yeah, I think that these are important people, and I think that we should support them. Um, I think that um planned obsolescence and just innovating our way out of problems is the only real American thing that does exist. Like, I you see it in uh sorts of issues like. Income inequality and people are like, why don't we just in innovate like a new financial structure to give to homeless people if they have a four hundred one k, and it's like, and in- like instead of coming up with simple things like taxing the rich or you know breaking up big banks or things like that, it's always like, no, no no we're gonna innovate our way around this. Like it's a very like Andrew like Andrew Yang truly is one of the more American people to run for president in that way because he yeah, just wants yeah. to invent. He wants to invent his way around class politics.
0: Yeah. I mean, if the American people have learned and understood one thing, it's that we love a a Rube Goldberg device. Like, no... I'm not just going to open that door. I have to knock over several dominoes that hit a marble that then hit a some sort of <laughs> s- stuffed yeah. toy that will then weigh down a, a basket that will then open the door. Everybody wants to be fucking Macaulay Culkin.
1: Because everybody gets a little dollar along the way. Every single piece of the Rube Goldberg machine, like the little slide, a little, little doll. That's true. Everyone gets a little dollar along the way, you know?
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We all need a little slice of our own salami. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I do know what you're talking
0: about. I like that. Hey, make mine hey, make hey, make mine extra thin if you could.
2: Uh <laughs> fucking really just really I wanna be able in. to read the uh Washington the the, the the Wall Street Journal through my very thin <laughs> slice of salami.
0: If I can't read the Bible through my salami then it's not thin enough. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's lovely. <laughs> Sorry, I have, to, uh, I have to
1: go roll a blunt with salami after this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't know what else do we have to say about this, guys. It's uh, the EPA is stepping in and like regulating fraud. This is ins-
2: that's great, right? Yeah,
1: I think- <laughs> like <laughs> we, can't- <laughs> we can't we can't get like the FDA, we can't get like the SEC. So we have to or the Federal Trade Commission. Like we just have to get the the agency that doesn't really seem well prepared to handle like fraudulent marketing schemes like yeah yeah i don't really understand why the epa is doing this of all agencies
0: yeah epa the epa kind of just seems like um it seems like a very sad agency within in government agencies because just for so long <laughs> through so many agencies through so many uh, administrations they've just been like watered down and watered down and watered down to the point where like the epa is just the national whipping boy of all other agencies you know Mm -hmm. it just sort of like to the point where they're like "Uh, who is the texan governor who's like who was part of it Um rick perry rick perry Perry, yeah Uh, which is just it's funny it's beyond parody at this point that he was like in charge of the epa for for a a hot minute Folks, I was wrong. Rick Perry is actually the Secretary of Energy from 2017 to 2019. Whoopsie, my mistake.
1: He was uh, something else. He was. He was. Um, he was like Interior, and we had some other guy who later left because of. Oh, my, it's been like 15 years since Trump first took office. I can't even remember who his head of EPA was that lost his job. Do am I ringing any what? bells?
2: Was it Zinke? Oh, oh so Ryan ridiculous. Zinke was the administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency and Scott Pruitt. Scott, Scott Pruitt. Pruitt. Scott Pruitt. Pruitt,
0: yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan Z- Zinke sounds like an elf in Harry Potter.
2: Uh, he, he, uh, <laughs> Zinke, yeah, he was also another um, Donald Trump appointee as the uh, Secretary of the Interior. Oh, he was? Okay. David, can you tell
0: us about the, the thing about the recession, the rece- possible recession depression thing? That that thing is a big deal.
1: Oh yeah. So this was in uh, Bloomberg Law, and uh, it was a very long piece. It was about basically um, we all remember the nice uh, collateralized loan obligations and the mortgage-backed securities and all the things that we remember when we were teenagers um, and young young kids um, that caused the uh, you know the last recession. Apparently they're. They they did not go away. They just got resurfaced in different ways because our economy fundamentally did not change. That's really just what it is. Is like what? The, the incentives, <laughs> the incentive structures that caused the previous recession still exist, and they have just moved to different things. Okay, and a lot of this has to do with what like what is called a leveraged loan.
0: Leveraged loans. A leveraged loan is a type of loan that is extended to companies or individuals that already have considerable amounts of debt or poor credit history. Lenders consider leveraged loans to
2: carry a higher risk of default, and as a result, a leveraged loan is more costly to the borrower.
1: Okay, Uh, a leveraged loan is a loan that is um, doled out when you already are in a lot of debt, basically. So So the creditor, the lender, has a lot of leverage against you because you're already your back is already against the wall so whenever someone says leveraged buyout or leveraged loan or whatever leveraged anything leverage just means that you are already in debt and you're already kind of uh feeling the pinch um
2: so it's almost like the loan that a loan shark would give you the interest rates would be a lot higher
1: yeah i mean anyone who like half of america who live on who can't afford who are living paycheck to paycheck arguably Whenever they take out a loan, you can make an argument that they are taking that they are leveraged, right? Um, if you have credit card debt and student loan debt, and then you're taking out loans for a mortgage, that is a leveraged loan. That that that's a good enough example, right? But if you're if you're just like if you have five dollars and you have zero debt and you take out a loan, that's technically not a leveraged loan because a leveraged loan is a loan on a loan on a loan, or it's a loan on top of the fact that you have other debts. Basically, in 2008—this is from the Bloomberg um, article—in 2008, the culprits were real estate speculators, investment banks that fueled the bubble. A wave of defaults caused the system to come crashing down. This time, another long period of rock-bottom interest rates, most recently cheered on by President Trump, has let companies go into record debt while showering cash on shareholders. The enablers are banks eager to facilitate deals and investors desperate for higher returns. They borrowed money to multiply profits on mortgages, junk debt, municipal and government bonds. The leverage means losses are getting amplified, too. Uh,
0: is another one of the things that they used money for with these loans uh, would be like stock buybacks? Stock buybacks, I don't think um, were mentioned in this article. Um, can you,
1: do you know what that would do specifically?
0: When you mentioned the fact that, like, oh, they're they're getting these opportunities to take out loans to, um, you know, conduct various, you know, business strategies with them. The stock buyback pops into my head just because that's one of the things that, you know, like Boeing and mm-hmm. a couple other com- uh, companies got in hot water recently about because whole thing was is like oh my God you need to bail us out we're losing buddy every single day because the coronavirus because, like nobody is um nobody's traveling meanwhile there's these news stories where they're like Boeing did uh a billion dollars in stock buybacks which is you know a, a tactic that you can use to make your stock price go up right
1: yeah and it's also um it, it it's not it's not exactly like having to deal with like leverage loans but certainly that is. Um, something that a tactic that is used because by by it, it's it's like an inflation thing because it, that's not a reflection of oh Boeing stock prices are up because they're doing well, it's because they're doing stock buybacks. Um,
0: a false flag. There we go. <laughs> I that's what I needed. That's what I needed right there. Um, yeah. Um, but but you're saying you're saying that it's it's not that that's only like maybe one of a dozen examples of things that they were d- doing with those interest rates.
1: Yeah, I mean the thi- with um yeah, I mean certainly interest rates being low is designed to make lending cheaper. It's designed to make investment cheaper. It's designed to make money move around faster. Okay? Yes. And and so um that whole thing is causing people to take on leveraged loans and offer leveraged loans because it's very easy to do that with low interest rates. And that makes things zoom very, very quickly. I mean, everyone talks about the Trump economy zooming, you know, just doing so well. But the thing is, is that's all kind of based on artificial inflation, things like stock buybacks um, and all these leveraged loans that are just running on razor thin. I mean, like... Uh, the ability for people to pay it back is razor thin because debt is stacking up. And if you are a gambling person, if you're betting the house every time on the blackjack table, it's really, really risky. And one slip up can cause a huge catastrophic,
2: uh, you know, kind of like a wave of, of, of badness. So I think about this. I think uh, I think about like maybe somebody that's taking methamphetamines. And when you oh, okay, it, all right. All let's right, say, let's say you're you're taking some sort of a uh, speed and you you've got you're, you're you still got chubby cheeks when you start. You've uh maybe you've been working out beforehand, you, you you've got a good diet and a healthy immune system, and you just keep taking the speed to stay up. Yeah, I do. eventually your the entire system is hollowed out, like your whole system is hollowed out because you're burning all of your reserves. Yep. So yeah. So in the same way, the economy looks like it's doing great because Donald Trump keeps giving it speed. Yes. Or like stim packs, if we're talking about Space Marines. Yeah. But yeah. Like you yeah. take this, yeah. you take the stim pack, <laughs> and it makes the Space Marines fight better for a couple uh, rounds when you're battling Zergs, but yeah. uh, or Protosses. Protoss. But, yeah. You got to watch Protoss. out for the Protoss. Yeah. But uh, but but the number of hit points that you have it goes substantially lower. So the economy, so it's frat. We're already in a fragile economy, and he's doing all these things to like speed things up, and it looks great, but the crash is going to be terrible.
1: It's going to be really bad, man. Like the thing <laughs> that co- the thing that caused it last time was all of a sudden people defaulting on these loans, on these house loan, housing loans. Remember I mean, when we talked about it in the Big Short? This time it's just a week of people not working because of coronavirus. Like mm-hmm. that's what caused this whole thing. To, like. I don't know if you remember this, but last fall, there was a lot of conversation about the entire economy crashing again, and, like, Elizabeth Warren wrote a Medium article about how being, like, the economy is going to crash again, here's how I know it, and uh, and the, the whole thing is just, like, everyone was kind of like, this is going to happen, and then Trump called it, like, a liberal conspiracy, and then, like, everyone just shut up and, and nothing happened. Um, because, again, investor confidence is a mood ring, and if you have... Donald Trump saying that he's being abused and that this is a liberal conspiracy, then people will believe it. But you can't liberal conspiracy theory your way out of a pandemic. Um,
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just can't. Right. Uh, I mean, I look at all these people who need to be murdered at the end of this or at least brought up uh, on criminal charges like a Devin uh, Nunes telling people to go out and eat uh, at their local like Applebee's or whatever. Yeah. Or uh, people keeping the beaches open during spring break uh and, and, and as though having f- thinking it's a liberal conspiracy you know flies in the face of just basic germ theory yeah mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> i mean i mean to be fair the original liberal conspiracy theory was the jews are spreading the black plague so like
2: <laughs> it,
1: it at least it at least has historical precedence um,
0: that that uh with you know to be continued on that uh, yes, definitely. Definitely things to be said on that.
1: We have a couple we have a couple things to say about the Black Plague. Um, but yeah, Um, I mean, the thing is, is that uh, OK, so here's one important. So uh, from this article, it talks about swaps. We don't need to go into all the details of swaps, but collateralized loan obligations, mortgages, uh, municipal bonds and treasuries are among the things that are listed um, that are taking on these highly leveraged loans. And basically all these highly leveraged loans, which were being used in um, mortgage-backed securities in 2008, now are being spread out amongst all these other things. Emergency measures are, uh, to contain the virus's spread are slamming the brakes on commerce, shutting businesses, and leaving millions of Americans jobless. The economic downturn is raising the prospect that consumers and companies will fall behind, defaulting on loans. A slump in prices for risky debt is putting pressure on investors to pony up collateral. Collateral is uh, something that you use as payment for a debt. Like uh, if, if you like you borrow someone's iPhone, in exchange you give them your driver's license. That way they know that you're not going to steal your iPhone to make a phone yeah, call. Yeah, the, yeah. Your, your driver's license is collateral, okay? I
2: like to give them someone else's championship ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there it yeah, is. we've we, we've we've all we've all is. been
0: we, we've all been there when we we respond to the Craigslist ad for the 2001 Fender Precision Bass. And then we go over to the guy's apartment and say, yeah, you know, I'm into Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know, uh, Victor Wooten, uh, uh, Thundercat, all the prolific five string bass players. Can I take this bad bitch for a swing? Uh, maybe slap, <laughs> slap, slap. Slap these keys a little bit, really get funky on this piece, uh, and you're, you go so hard in the paint on the base that you like you have my driver's license first because I just might fucking tear the roof off this uh, off this mid um, uh, mid level to low level apartment in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, we, we've all been there.
1: We've all been there. Yeah, right? yeah.
0: I <laughs> <It> certainly. Gabe's <tastes. laughs> face. <laughs> what we've all been there Gabe. Uh, is this
1: thing on is this thing on <laughs> we've all been there. folks. Um, I, don't,
0: I don't know if we've all been there uh, we, yeah <laughs> I, I can't confi- I can't confirm we've all been there. <laughs> I uh, t- conf- neither confirm nor deny
1: so that so so this uh, ponying up collateral or unwinding leveraged trades that feeds a vicious cycle with rapid liquidations Depressing prices further, potentially triggering more margin calls and sales. It's contributed to violent drops in the market. So, when someone's not paying you back, uh, you're getting screwed yourself. And we all know this from Uncut Gems.
0: But the point, I guess, I guess the point is, is you, you, the way you kind of described it um, was that in 2008, we had most, you know, just this sort of uh, mortgage backed security crisis. And that's what really deflated the economy because uh everybody's chickens came home to roost and uh nobody could actually pay it you know and yes. that's what happened and the 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 question here is is like uh that that i think a lot of people have asked is like is there going to be a bigger economic collapse because of coronavirus and at least the way it's sort of just sort of described, the answer is could potentially be a hard yes, uh, because, because of that. That is like a that is a uh part of part of the world of options now.
1: The thing is, is that the mortgage backed securities were the tr- were like the flicker, the match in the powder keg that was an over leveraged, uh highly debt ridden economy that was interchangeably that was all interlinked and had basic had very few mechanisms to prevent widespread catastrophic economic collapse.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: Dodd-Frank um, basically plugged up those specific um, spark plugs for those specific sparks to go off again, to prevent those from happening, um, and made a, a few other small changes that have been rolled back since. But the underlying issues with our economy which is we basically have an over-leveraged economy with way too much debt um, yeah. in like government, in corporate debt, and in personal debt. Um, and it, we are so reliant on the continuous, constant movements of, of the consumption economy um, that the entire thing
0: will collapse as after one week of not going to Applebee's. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, it essentially it just sounds like the market is just I don't know. This is a bad way to put it, but maybe like overfinancialized.
2: The, I just think about the airline industry and sort of, and things that are backwards with that. Why is it that after one week of them not having the the uh the same number of ticket sales, are they screaming that they're gonna financially collapse and go bankrupt? It's they have no savings. Why is it that the planes? Are still flying at the same frequency, even though there are no people in them. So they're these like ghost planes just burning fuel instead of reserving uh, the resources that they have since they're not going to make a profit off of them. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. Like there are these absurd things, like reading in the paper that uh, people are all being crowded to the back of empty airplanes because they're all the group. You know the uh the uh the group boarding is past five. You know, like none of them were diamonds, platinums, bronzes. Yeah, yeah. Gabe,
1: Gabe, it's to keep prices <laughs> high. I don't know, man. They just do it. It's like it's like burning. It's <laughs> yeah, like It's like burning crops. It's like burning yeah, yeah. yeah. But
2: yeah. but the but the burning of the fuel just seems so. It's just a uh, devastating. Like we'd think that at least maybe we'd catch a breath uh, from the CO two emissions. And the climate change by having everybody chill the fuck out for a couple weeks, but we don't even get a brief reprieve from that because everything the machine is still running at full clip. Yeah. Even the, though nobody is on the fucking planes.
0: Yeah. The, the airline industry in particular is an incredibly stark and like realist explanation of everything right now. Everything you just said is it's, it's so insane to see in in <laughs> in, in real time, you know, it, it's actually happened. to To get to a point, kind of like in the in the HBO miniseries Chernobyl, where like they're like, "Oh, in order for the reactors to have acted this way, basically seventeen other things had to happen." And then it was, and you know, by the time you've gotten to step sixteen, or or even just like step six in this case, you're doomed, you know. And then you just have to then it just fucking you know you get to watch in real time just like a, a whole financial system that's built around like well I, I guess we'll put all these five people in a pandemic situation in the back because of pr- ticket prices <laughs> you know
1: it's it's absurd Chernobyl was a was a documentary miniseries about America in 2020. Yes. Yeah, yes. absolutely. <laughs> um I want to uh move on to talk about some, some something that we've wanted to talk about for a while um which is the the black plague, the black death. Um are you guys ready? Are you guys cool with that? Do you guys want to move on?
2: Yes. Okay. Do You mean the black death of uh 1347? That caused over fifty percent of uh, Europe's population to just disappear.
1: We're all laughing because, um, listener, <laughs> we all read ar- plenty of j- articles on JSTOR um, <laughs> to, <laughs> to prepare for this because uh, that's how that's how committed we are to to providing quality content on on the screen. So, anyways, so there's a, there's a lot of things that that people talked about. Who wants to share their book report first?
0: um do you gabe do you have like some do you do you have like fun facts or quick facts because what do i
2: have yeah i mean i got i got i got a couple very quick facts okay so one thing that happened based on uh this is uh the the in the wake of the plague that's the book i read by norman f Cantor. so uh wine went way up in price because the french vineyards uh, all got wiped out by the plague. So the very few vineyards that survived, um, you know, they got to they got to jack up the price because it was so rare. Uh, another thing that happened was that the priesthood went from uh, you had to be 25 years old to be a priest. Nice. So before before the plague, after the plague, there were so few priests or young men alive that uh, you just had to be 20 to become a priest. So the Catholic Church got a lot dumber and a lot more <laughs> barely legal priests all right all right and, yeah and a lot more uh, radical for a short time a lot of 20 uh, year olds yeah a lot of the 20 year olds you know they 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 had a lot more uh, I don't know the answer to that
1: it was a lot more like when, uh, there were a lot more like Tumblr accounts in the priesthood and like
2: tiktoks yeah uh, and then it affected labor because peasants uh, all died off, you know, like 50%. I think it was like a 50% mortality rate for peasants and 25% for um, landed elite. So with that, uh, the the laborers had a lot more um, say right after the plague to demand for um, better conditions and uh, negotiate more with the gentry. Because there were less of them, so sometimes having less workers uh, is good for labor.
0: Yeah, actually, so I that that dovetails very nicely into my my book report that is highlighted in everything. <laughs> I, I did a very good job. I had I, there you I'm, go. I'm not a guy who likes to print out the internet if I have to, but it's like this is studying for me. And when I was in college, the only way to do that was with using several types of highlighters. So like that's just how it worked out. And I, the, what I found out essentially was, um, well, David sent me this article that was called The Impact of the Black Death on Peasant Economy in England, 1350 to 1500. <laughs> Hell yeah. So I essentially got, my assignment was essentially a scholarly journal, uh, which is fine. I love reading a scholarly journal. Um, the co- Some of the quick uh, just spark notes that I will say on this. Uh, a lot of it was numbers, which is fine, but it it didn't make a lot of sense in a modern time. Like they were like, eh, peasants earned fifteen pence instead of ten pence post you know post the Black and Death. Um, say, but
1: say that to Mike Pence.
0: Yeah, yeah, ex- yeah. Dan. that guy, yeah, exactly. Uh, exa- exactly, David. Um, <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah, but th- but there were. <laughs> But there was a couple things that I was able to sort of garner um, from this. Uh, first of all, what Gabe said is right. Uh, there were <laughs> a fucking lot of peasants afterwards who were actually able to sort of leverage the Black Death into a a kind of uh, bargaining chip, which was a weird thing that I didn't think about. Like I think you know we can all maybe I, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but for me, when I thought of... The Black Plague, you know, I thought like, oh, this is this amazing, not amazing, this like insane, equalizing, crazy disease that basically wiped out, you know, somewhere between like one fifth and three fifths of like, uh, you know, Europe's population. Yeah, and it was and it was bad, bad, very bad. But one thing that um, this article basically said was that a lot of that documentation is really fragmented. Like, it all came from, you know, as you put, landed gentries, you know, people who are the 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 people who owned pens and pencils or quills, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So their representation of it is... Professional um, manager um, class. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> their representation of it is, like, incredibly skewed because, you know, the people who were in positions of power back then, you know, they went from a life of like reasonable luxury of that time to just sort of like, oh my god, I'm I'm dying because I'm shitting myself to death or whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, but the peasantry class is different because can we
2: pause there? They're not shitting themselves to death. They're uh, yeah, bu- bubos are forming on uh, the, yeah, 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 their yeah, yeah, groins yeah. and under their armpits. So these giant uh, yeah. softball-sized welts. Would uh, explode and pus ooze out of their uh, crotches and armpits. (laughs) Nice. And if if that didn't kill them, their hands and uh, feet would turn black.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, what am I talking? Cholera—that's an enlightenment disease. All right, this is much more. This is this is much more hard. This is much more hardcore. But but anyways, um, the peasantry. You know, the thing about peasantry is it was—it's an incredibly uh, cruel. A uh, short existence that uh, that is mainly built around labor and serfdom and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as peasants go, their lives were they they just had a different effect when it came to the Black Plague. I actually had some conflicting uh in, in information, Gabe, for that number. I I got here that in uh out of families, uh, out of uh fi- if there was like five people in a family, uh and they were peasants. Uh, only one person was lost from that family, which is only twenty percent in this case. Uh, but it's you know it's obviously still a lot overall. Twenty percent of any population is huge. I mean, sure. I know, like,
1: I know, like, I know, I can name um, at least like ten people who very likely have coronavirus or had coronavirus and were not being reported by the federal government. So.
2: That's true, yeah. We
1: will never know how many people had the Black Plague, and we will never know how many people got coronavirus.
2: Uh, There are interesting things, though, about this, Danny, that entire towns would have been wiped off the map during this, and it's Mm -hmm. only Mm -hmm. after the advent of um, aerial photography that they found some of these uh, ghost towns uh, that had been reclaimed by the woods. Ooh. so you you would have entire just entire towns get wiped out and yeah. um so i don't i mean not to just it's this isn't a pushback it's more just like it kind of was the roll of the dice whether it would be like one in five or if, if it was the entire clan yeah
0: yeah yeah you you know i i will concede that it's it's impossible to really know the only thing we can really go by is like the sort of like semi-recorded numbers and just the number of dead people there were. And we can all agree there was a fuck fuckload of dead people. <laughs> but but uh, the po- uh, point being in this case, um, one thing that I uh, found is, like you said, there was, quote, uh, a radical realignment of the economic variables that determine the welfare of peasantry and its capacity to innovate. That's something that I got from this um a, a weird little kind of um uh what do you call it like a comparison to modern modern times and this is you know I'm being I'm being very liberal when I say the word comparison but one thing they said here is that um after the black plague the the people who like owned their means of production so to speak um they had the potential to do better actually and it sounds kind of weird saying it cuz it seems obvious but when I read it I was like oh that's interesting and specifically they said Farmers who had a cart and could rent it did much better after that. And I was like, oh, that's uh, that." the first thing that popped in my mind was like, that kind of sounds just sort of like the apps, like, ca- I mean, you know, like Caviar and DoorDash and, you know, Oop, I mean, if Uber you're and the, all that stuff. If you're,
1: the, if you're the only boy with the cart in town, you know, you're, you're a hot commodity. You know, it's like it's like being. The yeah, only, no, it's, You know, it's like being the only, you know, hot girl in an engineering program. Like all the boys want you, you know, you're gonna do well. You're or you know, or if you're not even that, you
0: know. Anyways, um, yeah. Another interesting (laughs) thing too. (laughs) Another thing too was just uh, you know, everybody's been kind of throwing around the the term essential worker. You know, hospital people are essential workers. Uh, people who work at grocery stores were essential workers. Apparently, the uh essential worker of the time, uh, was clothing makers. Like all, you know. Uh according to this paper anyway, there was like uh uh certain economic sectors like clothing that were like incredibly vibrant and it's like, Yeah, dude, that makes sense. I mean, the essential thing back then was like whether or not I could see your ass or not. Yeah. <laughs> like that was uh, I mean like today yeah. we're just sort of we're just like, Oh yeah, for you know, delivery, that's essential. We need that. But like, you know, you get back in the day and it's like it's it's uh way different. Um and That's you really kind of... Under- yeah, exactly. Um, this is also sort of like during a, a semi-small ice age, it should be noted, that it was like very cold oh, yeah. <laughs> at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The other, the other thing that I thought was very interesting, though, is that immediately after the Black Plague happened, peasantry, they started to kind of like reclaim their means to create things on their own. But... Like once the sort of landed class, the people who owned um, estates and who were the owners of the serfs and what have you, uh, they actually they tried to capitalize on it like almost immediately. Like they were like, oh, you, you see, I see you're actually, you know, taking wealth from your labor. Uh, I'm going to try to take some of those profits like that happened almost immediately from the landlord class in England, which, I mean, uh, you know, another very loose comparison, Uh, since coronavirus has hit, we've now basically hit the one month mark of it happening, and in the past week there have been so many stories of landlords absolutely showing their ass to the world and being like, if you don't fucking pay rent, I'm going to act like an idiot in front of everybody, and that that just reminded me of, of this immediately.
1: Get a job, Um, landlord. Get a real job, you stupid landlord. uh,
2: Yeah. So uh, uh, to add on to that, Danny, uh, something that I found out was that there were uh, two classes of lawyers during this time period uh, right before the plague. And one class was uh, lawyers that were uh, sort of schooled in religious doctrine because Mm -hmm. the church was so tied into everything. And the other group of uh, wandering lawyers or barristers, uh, they just focused (laughs) entirely on (laughs) land law. So uh, this guy, the author Norman Cantor, said that if if you were a lawyer from back in 1340 and somebody brought you to now and had you study contemporary uh, real estate law, it would only take a couple months. Of uh, to to get acclimated with the type of law we're doing now, at least in England, because it was all of all of uh legal ideas around private property come from that era. We yeah, and, you, and they're, if, and they're just like to, the same.
1: If if you go to law school, you will read property law cases from the 11th century. <laughs> no, it is unfro-
2: it's unfrozen caveman lawyer for real, dude. Like no not, fucking
1: uh, shit. I shit you not I shit you not you I mean it's only like a week or two of it, but your first like the first cases that you that every lawyer in America reads in their property law class come from like the 11th century, the 14th century and it's um yeah it's all just like establishing weird like trespass stuff and ownership stuff and, and it's all like you're using Latin phrases and that's because Latin was the language of the law even in medieval England.
0: Mm, que bono uh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh that's f- man that's f fu- man between you telling us h- how they only teach delaware uh corporate law and that most land y- law is based off of times where like all the paintings were like weirdly out of like sync and stuff and like it, and it was it was everybody just being like consumed by a a, a devil or whatever and, and like you know it's that's it's fucked up. fucked up bro it's fucked up you know yeah well i i learned um that
1: actually um because of so what it sounds like you guys have learned is that there were fewer people and so those who survived were able to leverage whatever they had to bargain for better conditions that they did before. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like if you're if you're a peasant and you are or if you're a serf and you're like working in some system, um you're like held to one manor, held to one lord, all of a sudden 95% of the serfs die in your village, you're the only one. You can traipse around and you can negotiate the best uh, situation for you, and you're kind of un, you're kind of detached from from your boy mm-hmm. uh, that you, that you previously it, were. Because so this you, is interesting. The power, right?
2: Yeah, this is interesting what you're saying because they did bring up this distinction between serfs and freemen, mm-hmm. and uh, the serf, even though a serf was tied to a, a master, uh, a, a feudal a, lord, yeah, a gentry like some lord, they had right, they had legal rights that were different than the rights of freemen. So they had some, they had some sort of better protections within the fiefdom that they were part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the freemen were like, uh, almost. It, it'd be like being part of a union versus yeah, uh, uh, being a uh, freelance gig economy guy. The freemen was like gig economy. Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. But like, Whoa. because, um, because, because, I'm not saying one is better than the other, but they they had different protections under the law. Weird of the time. Uh, however, I think we can all uh, modernity required people to become freemen. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: So one thing that I read was that actually um, it was the the plague wiping out such a huge percent of the percentage of the population, and all of a sudden these serfs having more agency to go back and forth between um different masters between different lords that it effectively wiped out the serf caste system in western <laughs> <Right>. europe <laughs> yeah whereas it remained in eastern europe because eastern europe and russia weren't hit as hard with the plague yeah. and so um that is why there was a serf caste system all the way up until the communist revolution in 1917 that's right yeah, uh, that's
0: right. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Um so I thought that was crazy. Um I saw um one thing that was uh fascinating, uh the economy right after basically the plague ended underwent abrupt and extreme inflation. So all of a sudden, there's one worker who has a cart. There used to be 40, now there's one. This dude is price gouging his cart. So Because it was so difficult to procure goods through trade and produce them, the prices of goods and services skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. Um, So the demand for people to work uh, was so high it threatened the manorial holdings. Serfs were no longer tied to one master. Lords had to make changes in order to make the situation more profitable for the peasants to keep them on their land. Wages outpaced prices, and the standard of living was subsequently raised. However, as a result of the beginning of blurring financial distinctions, um, this is from some article on uh at Brown.edu. Uh social distinctions sharpened. This is wild, all right. Fashions of the nobility became more extravagant in order to emph- <laughs> in order to emphasize the social standing of the person wearing the clothing. So they basically started like going to cultural signifiers to make them sound, seem wealthier than they were, when in reality they had lost empirical financial leverage against serfs.
0: Yeah, yeah. We act- I actually encountered something very similar in my reading, but the distinction was not talking about nobility, but rather talking about peasants and how they had, like, more wealth now. And they were saying that the number one thing that changed for peasants is uh, their food was a little better. Like, <laughs> like that was, they're like, <laughs> now... We- now instead of fucking corn or no, they weren't even eating corn. Corn wasn't invented or what? Wait, no, did the, they brought corn over to America? Yeah. Anyway, no, no, corn, the, no corn yet. Yeah.
2: They brought corn from South America to uh, to Europe. Yeah, yeah. Point being, or America were, in general. Go on.
0: Yeah. Point being, they were they were eating they were eating slightly better, but that's very funny that like the peasantry's version of like oh they're we're able to get more a slightly better caloric intake and like. The people with uh, a little bit more influence, they're like, now I'm gonna wear a ridiculous looking hat that looks like a giant beret, and I'm also Galileo, you know, or something like that.
1: Hell yeah, dude, hell yeah. Um, so they, they did they, they did they did do that, and I think that that's nice. This is again like um, my girlfriend and I have this theory that what we should do is um, just nationalize any company when it gets to be too big, and then instead of treating it like a punishment you give the ceo um a little plaque you give them a little award <laughs>
0: they get a they get a participation trophy they get a they, participation uh... tro-
1: they, like they get, a, they get they get like a, they get a day named after them you know they get like some parade like congratulations ceo of boeing you did a great job we're going to celebrate a parade for you and expropriate all your wealth
2: <laughs> yeah you yeah. won the game you won the game yeah. Congratu-
0: you won the game <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, I think the 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 starkest contrast though between, you know, comparing uh plague economics to essentially the economics of what we're experiencing in a coronavirus world is one where in the 14th century, you know, when people died and shit shut down, like it really and truly shut down. It wasn't just a matter of like, oh, the peasantry died and you know, the the wealthy were able to sort of like kind of make their way through it. It was really just like, no, like people who are landed gentries died. This was a, a thing that was truly like non-discriminatory. And like yeah. when, when when everything passed, it was a situation where it's like, OK, now these people who are peasants, they have like a little bit more leverage. And the difference between that now is like coronavirus hits one week later, Congress is like, all right, we're going to pass. To a $2.2 trillion act yeah. and it's immediately, it's immediately apparent at looking at it that like 600 ish billion of that and potentially way more is just immediately going to bail out the worst industries. Like it, it just feels <laughs> like everything is so over financialized in this new world and things are not based on like bales of hay. They're based off of complicated algorithms that sell 10 stocks a second and then buy mm-hmm for the next second. Yeah. It it just seems very disconnected from reality. And that it just the plague, it was just so different and test and technology just hadn't gotten there yet, you know? That's
1: that's that's true. I wanted to go over one uh Twitter thread because I think a lot of people have been discussing the Black Plague economically. Um mm-hmm. and this is from a medieval historian. So she screenshots someone's tweet, uh this someone named Wesley Chu. I don't know who Wesley Chu is. I think that Wesley Chu is an actor. Wesley Chu says, uh, he says this. Did you guys know that after the Black Plague, many people decided that life was too short just to live? They began seeking happiness and love and joy, which ushered in a new wave of creativity. Do you know what happened after the Black Plague ended? The Renaissance. And Eleanor uh, Janega, uh, she is going, at, going medieval. She responds with a really interesting Twitter thread that I'm just going to go over with you guys now. She says, okay. I am the goddamn Plague Renaissance police and I will be issuing citations anytime I see these takes on the timeline. No, <laughs> absolutely not. I rebuke <laughs> all of this. In the first she says...
0: <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Woo, 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 oh, police off, here.
1: Off to the good start. In the first place, shut up about the Renaissance. Um, In the second place, she's basically uh, the idea is that the Renaissance actually sucked uh, for normal people. Um, In the second place, acting as though medieval people didn't value their lives is just so ignorant and patronizing. They did value their lives enough to uh, flagellate themselves in the goddamn street to try to stop the plague. This actually happened very commonly in Germany. But sure, whatever, whatever some Victorian told you, I guess. So what happened was in Germany, this is a very common thing. They thought that if you flagellate yourself, if you whip yourself enough, that that will prevent the plague from spreading. Because who knows? Cool. We don't know anything. Like no, that's,
2: just,
0: <laughs> uh, that's just Germans trying to make an excuse for. It's like, oh no, the plague! It will spread if I do not hurt, if I do not step on my own balls. Like you know, they're they're just trying to be weird. Then um, Bloomberg Opinion had a tweet about this.
1: Um, Bloomberg opinion said um, the black death that killed 60% of Europe's population also led to a dramatic and long lasting increase in real wages and a spate of mass consumption. So similar to kind of what we're saying, actually, she says, no, no, (laughs) no. (laughs) She's scolding. She says, Jesus Christ. Stop. That arose as a result of the social conditions created by the black death and was only possible because of wide scale civil
0: unrest. Well, I think I think that's what we're kind of putting out there. It's you know, it's not that like, oh, my God, the renaissance happened and it was all good. Like, I think the main point that I got from the the article, I I agree with this lady for the record, you know, is is that like shit got shooken up. So much that there was actually the ingredients for meaning meaningful change, essentially. Yeah, I'm not saying it actually happened because very often it just doesn't, and it, in in this case, it doesn't seem like it did for the very poor anyway. But I does I do think it you know lends itself to the argument that like you know that it, it there's it's an environment for something different to happen
2: right within the plague there's the possibility for transformation in the chaos that it leaves in its wake uh there was an example of i think a peasant revolt in england that didn't really it it didn't really pan out but the the peasants ended up uh killing a bunch of the landed uh gentry and marching upon the king and the king but they still loved the king that was the problem and they didn't (laughs) know exactly they didn't have like an ideological framework for what they wanted in place. Yeah. So the king just walked out and said, Hey guys, I'm here. I hear I feel your pain. Okay. I feel, feel it. Why I don't feel, we all I'll just go back pain. to our just go back to your land and keep working and I'll make I'll handle it all right. I'll talk to the dukes. I'll talk to the duchesses. It's gonna be fine. And then after everybody like walked Whoa. away, he was like, Murder that priest and kill those three really loud ones over there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we that's that's the thing, is this is this is still the 1500s so people still think that Kings and queens are like it's an autocracy where they have like a god ordained, you know, uh, thought and speech. So when they actually came out from their crow's nest and were like, "Be gone!" People were like, "Oh God!" It's like Monty. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the mud people in Monty Python were like, "She's a witch." You know, know, it 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 was still it still felt like that. (laughs) That king was J. Edgar Hoover, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs)
1: Um, and I think that that is important to to distinguish. It's not that the plague, the mass death, caused the good things. It's that. The mass death allowed for people to be like, this, enough is enough. I'm gonna rise up and demand changes. And then yeah, bastante, Basta- yeah. So uh, <laughs> and, and and really, once the Renaissance happened, it wasn't even that good because it was a time of um, perpetual warfare and increased technology that made war worse. Um, <laughs> yeah, people were inventing guns and shit. <laughs> yeah, inventing guns, just just things. It was not and like and and plagues kept coming. Uh, There's more disease like it wasn't even just like the Black Death maybe stopped in what, 1351. But, uh, you know, once you get the Italians controlling the seas and the Portuguese on the, you know, there's just like all of a sudden these new diseases that are coming from all over the place. And uh, things aren't great necessarily for regular people. Um, Just because you have a nice painting doesn't mean things are good for everyone.
2: Yeah. Mamma Mia.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) Well, guys, we have done it.
0: Yeah, and you know, we're we're all still secluded for the most part. Um, but well, the next thing we're gonna probably look into, uh, in as far as plague t- uh, plague talk goes, is the um Spanish flu of 1918, which is probably the most um recent uh pandemic in in you know like recent some somewhat recent history, you know. Uh, The whole world. Yeah. 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 And then after that, we're going to talk about Ebola a little bit and uh, just going to talk about like the economic effects of them and, you know, what kind of shit it stirred up, because that's the interesting part.
1: Yeah. I'd like to think so as well. It's like it's like who cares who won the war? What happens is what happened afterwards. Right.
2: I just like talking about ghoulish ways that people die.
1: (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah. (laughs) oh yeah i mean this is i mean like uh, if you told me that the wheelbarrow got invented during the black death just to carry people like yeah that sounds
2: right <laughs> so here here's another theory though around the black uh, about uh, the black death that's pretty interesting to me like um the bubonic plague affects our immune systems because it mm-hmm. lives in the in the lymph nodes that's where yep. it rapidly multiplies and People whose uh, ancestors survived the bubonic plague passed on a hereditary resistance to HIV. Whoa. Because HIV is a virus that affects uh, the immune system. And so so that's why some northern Europeans have a higher uh, rate of um, not getting infected. That's it's one of those It's kind of like cystic fibrosis is, uh, is and and what's the other one? Sickle cell anemia, are yeah. Both those are negative uh, traits that are uh, negative negative things that happen to people's bodies based on uh, resistance to cholera. Ancestors being resistant to cholera really? uh, creates cystic fibrosis in people now, and I can't. Sickle cell anemia has to do with uh, the um, p- population where that's endemic. Uh, becoming able to battle malaria. So yeah, your ancestors right. would be better at battling malaria. But if two of those ancestors mate, then you have you've got like a higher disposition for a sickle cell. Yeah, well. then you got a blood you got a blood cell that's shaped like a crescent instead of a nice little round donut. You know. But those Northern Europeans that survived uh, bubonic plague, their great, great 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 grandkids, um, more resistant to HIV. Very interesting.
1: Uh, (laughs) Well, that's it for us this week, guys. My name's David Bradley Eisenberg.
0: Yeah, I'm Danny Feltz. I'm Gabe Pacheco.
1: Bye, everyone. Yeah. Ciao. Ciao.